I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I am your host, at NFL on Twitter. Give me a follow, and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And in the studio, I have me old buddy, me old pal, our Ryan Peacock NFL. Ryan, what's going on, man? Uh, well, I, I know I've moaned about you kicking me out of the studio in previous weeks, but did you have to make me do this podcast? I mean, I'm, it's not that I'm ungrateful, and I love doing the podcast. You know I love doing the podcast. Yeah. But you're really going to bring me in here to talk about this game make me go through it all again <laughs> you know could, couldn't you have got can this could have been the day where you could have rung me up and gone do you know what bro i'm kicking you out the the, the studio again because i've got whoever coming yeah. into the studio to talk to us and i'd have gone thank god for that no misery loves company and do you know what i was mark uh, mike mccarthy said to me here listen pa can i you know come on the podcast explain some stuff i said mike no can't come on i can't talk about you if you're on man <laughs> you had your chance in the press conference you didn't tell us anything we didn't know yeah and, uh, besides so we don't. i didn't want anyone talking about fundamentals and just all that generic stuff on the podcast i want something original that's why you're on right you know give us that opinion that's um, why i'm original okay yeah one of a kind let's say but <laughs> come here look um this is the podcast where we show that we're not employed by the packers it's the podcast where we just not let loose and just start you know being like Oprah and saying you get a p45 and you get a p45 but i think we'd be doing the uk fan base maybe the global fan base a disservice if we don't address properly some of the stuff uh, that we've got in some of the frustrations that we have and some of the quite obvious dysfunctions that this team has so uh i don't look we don't want to bum people out here uh, but we have to talk about the grizzly truth. You know, it's like when you, you know, if you catch your missus coming in the door and she's got a Jurex wrapper, you know, in her pocket and she's she's got a meal for two receipt in the in the purse. Lipstick is all smudged. She's got leaves in her hair. Uh, she's been dropped off by a guy in a shadowy car uh, with a bad wig on and she says, she says she's been out with the girls. I mean, okay, where are you going with it? What I'm saying is, is you might want to ignore that that happened and let her go in for a shower. Or you can sit down and say, listen, honey, we need to have a chat. And I think it's time, Ryan, that we sit down, this Green Bay Packer team, and we have a chat. Did you just call me honey? No, well, I'm calling the Green Bay Packers honey. You know what I mean? I'm See, I've always, like preferred, I've always preferred Treacle. If you said, look, Treacle, come in. Or on now, Treacle. Or on now, China. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. What you could have just said is we've got to be real. We've got to talk the truth because it's staring us straight in the face. It's slapped us in the arse and it's time to talk about it. Um, this is going to be what a balls out, balls to the wall type podcast where we've unfortunately <laughs> just got to lay it down on the line and, talk, and say it how it is. Hold on. I mean, I came out with my analogy of the cheating wife and you started off really well, really concise. And then you said balls and all with balls up to the wall. I mean, you know, it's it's in the gutter already. I think our followers know where I'm coming from. So, there's a joke in there somewhere. There's an innuendo in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, listen, let, let's talk about it. Look, on the face of things, and let me break it down this way and annoy everybody by trying to make it some way positive. I the feel squirrel. like what oh, the squirrel, yeah, yeah, give him pads. Um, <laughs> he can jump like Eddie Lacy. Listen, we found our running back last night. What the, Don Jackson? No, the the squirrel. Yeah, he's breaking tackles all over the place. Do you see them at the broken tackles? I mean, they had a big net there. I mean, there was a dude there with a massive net. There was a net designed to catch squirrels. 
and he was breaking tackles all over the place. So Mason Crosby wasn't the only guy that couldn't put it through the post and hit the net. Oh, <laughs> well, he hit the net. But I know enough. he did, and I love Mason, and I'm, you know, I, I understand as a kicker myself, kicking can be very difficult. Uh, I don't know if he'll take much solace in that. He listens to the podcast, all right, nice. Um, and I don't think he's going to take solace from the worst uh, kicker in Packers history. Can, can I just say, in case he is listening, well, mm-hmm. of course he's listening. I do have a Mason Crosby jersey, so big fan. Just, just it was a squirrel joke. Okay, it wasn't very right. good, but I tried a squirrel joke. Yeah, but look, I'm going to try to take a bit of a positive here, and then we're then we can go on and slate the team. No, I'm going to take a bit of a positive here and say, is it just me, or do the Packers always end up in the situation where? If you were to take out one or two plays, we win that game. Not convincingly. This isn't the type of win or loss that anybody wants here. It's a close loss, the same as we've had close wins. I sat down and just ran through the scores that we've had so far this season. And out of the losses, three, because I always get criticized for saying three. uh, Three of those losses we lost by five points or less. So to the Vikes, we lost by three. Falcons by one. Colts by five. And similarly, the wins, the wins, three, three of those, uh, we've only won by a touchdown or less. So, I mean, it always comes down to squeaky bone time. It always comes down to the fact that we're a touchdown away from tying it up, going to overtime or a field goal away from winning. And why, oh, why do we find ourselves constantly in that situation of heart attack pack? Well, I think, I mean, let's start with that, that first, first play on the field, kick off and return for a touchdown by, uh, by the Colts returner. I mean, we said last week that on those kick returns, I think we were talking about our own special teams unit and why do we never seem to get that break? Mm. It's one block, it's one tackle. We said that, you know, it's one missed tackle or it's one, it's one, you know, good block. And ha-ha, Clinton Dix, who had a great game, by the way, if we want to find a positive, there's one right there. Um, but on that particular play, he's bearing down on that returner. And then there's just, and I can't remember the name of the Colts play, but he comes across as a great block. And from that point forward, the only person that looked close to getting him was Mason Crosby. Yeah. And of course, didn't quite have the pace of the return guy. So, <laughs> but it's exactly what you just said there. We're coming down to plays in a game where there's one or two or three incidences in a game that are deciding the whole game. Yeah. And on those special teams ones, and particularly that one, it comes down to, like I said before, that one tackle or that one block that does or does not happen. Mm. Um, you know, there's a number of different incidents in the game where, if, you know, just one inch, um, you know, closer or, or one second faster or one second slower. And it could have been a completely different game and a different result. Yeah, it's individual plays. I mean, going, going through it, I picked out four in particular. The kickoff return is one. I think that if you start a game and 13 seconds after the whistle goes, you go over to the Gatorade stand, you're thinking to yourself, Jesus, I think I left the dryer on. And then you turn around and next thing you know, you're seven zip. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that'll knock the, the lard idea when you look at that. When you want to talk to, to get off to a good start, uh, we have an Irish phrase, Tussimaladna Hibra, good start is half the battle. Um, and then you get ran all over um, and I mean he did it he almost did it again Ryan didn't he I mean there was a kickoff return later on in the game as well that he got it was about well past 64 half. yards was it yeah which is just look it's not acceptable and how we can go from you know our special teams are doing alright and then to have this again and of course um, the P45 brigade come in be it right or wrong and start calling for uh, Ron's head as well uh, to get him fired but that's one play This another one that 
stands out to me is the Jordy Nelson long ball where Jordy Nelson seems to be kind of on a clear out route you know he's running down straight he's, he's dragging a safety with him running long downfield and then it turns out that he's open for the play so then he burns it and Aaron Rodgers either overthrows him or Jordy Nelson doesn't get into the spot where he should have been maybe because it was a clear out route they never expected to get the ball in the first place that route as well that's one of like um that's that's something that we've seen before Rodgers and Jordy Nelson connect on that time and time and time again you know that's that's normally money you know so that that's really difficult to see that one miss and it's a fine line Ryan isn't it because if you look at that play that was on a third down uh we could have dinked and dunked and got got the first down but of course Mike McCarthy goes and bombs it downfield now whether Mike McCarthy did it or the the press man coverage at the first down marker or just slightly beyond wasn't open so Aaron was just like screw it I'm going downfield who knows but we put out a meme and we regularly put this one out because it's funny on our Instagram account search UK Packers is that we have Mike McCarthy's face with steam coming out with the playbook in his hand and it says third and one Hail Mary. Because that's sometimes what he'll pull out. He'll, you know, he'll need one yard and instead of doing the obvious thing, he tries to overthink himself, which we'll get to later because I know you want to raise a point about that whole aspect. But that was on third down and then the next third down that we got was the one where it was a design play. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers drops it right in Jeff Janis's bread basket. For whatever reason, uh, you know, the Packerlands favourite drops that ball, which was highly catchable. And that is another individual play where if any of these come off, if so if the kick return doesn't happen, we don't have that loss of momentum. And we're not chasing our tails instantly to try catch up on the Colts, which I think had a bearing on the game. So within the first 13 seconds, we were down and those two dropped long balls. It's individual errors, mistakes, mental farts uh, like this. I think that really you know takes its toll on the team and the energy of the team sure and i've actually i actually want to defend janice a little bit because i think if you watch it again at first i thought the ball had just slapped straight into his hands mm. and it was like um what do they used to call that old patriot starting was it stone hands ben, ben watson they used to call him stone hands because ball just used to hit him and bounce off and it kind of looked like that at first it looked like it hit him square in the hands should have caught it but actually as the ball comes down past his face it takes a little tumble off the face guard yeah and as it takes that slight deflection, that's just enough to make it bounce off the end of his fingers and go. So I have a little bit of sympathy for him because the ball's on the money. Um, but as he turns his head, it just catches the bottom of the face guard and deflects it as it goes into his hands. So absolutely, I think it's one he, he should have caught. And I know, um, you know, all the great receivers, probably the Jerry Rices and, and the Donna Drivers and, and myself, we always say, you know, if it hits your hands, you should catch it. <laughs> <laughs> I almost missed that sometimes you know I listen back to the because I've edited the podcast so I listen back and I've listened to every word stretch audio pull out sounds pull out you scratching your beard and farting and belching and drinking beer and that is that is slander that is slanderous um, so I do all that and sometimes when I listen back you've said something that I miss and I kind of hear you pause after as if to say why didn't that little lawyer sure laugh that what's going on you know it's just because sometimes I'm so busy I don't know, taking it in and taking the next thing, don't see it. Well played, Ryan, well played. <laughs> but like you said, I mean, I think a, a more adept wide receiver would know to, you know, pull his head out of the way because that, that ball was in the air for a long time. Aaron Rodgers put a good bit of hang time on that. thing is, though, it's and again, when they show you in the, and this is the problem sometimes with replays, they're fantastic. They've got every single angle in the stadium. You can move the camera while it's paused. That's great. But what it does is it gives you a false view of the actual play. Mm. You watch the play in full speed with a guy hanging off his back and the ball's coming over his shoulder and as he turns, bang, it's there, comes off the face mask, tiny deflection at full speed. 
I don't think um, it's harsh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still saying, yeah, we should have caught that ball. But I think actually there's a good reason he didn't. And that's all I'm saying. I'm just defending Jeff. Look, it's one of those things where um, you can have, like against the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. Remember he fell over? Uh, I can't remember even now who it was. I think I've burned it out of my memory because it's so painful. But uh, Russell Wilson throws it up. It co- you, the Seahawks player comes down. It smacks off his back, his arse, you know, the side of his face, his eyeball, his retina, his inner ear, um, you know, his colon. And then somehow bobbles on his leg and he, and he catches it. Do you know what I mean? And you're just sort of thinking, okay, if that can happen, why can't a slight graze off a face mask end up in the hands? But a small measures. But I want to address something, and it's not going to be a popular take, and I love the guy and we put out last night you know 70% of the planet is covered by water the rest is covered by haha Clinton Dix I like Clinton Dix but he had to absolutely make that play um, last night that sack on third and ten had to make it sorry and he says oh I'm going to remember that yeah you should you should definitely remember that because it's plays like that that you have to make he said by his own admission that he went high with the tackle he should have went low why don't you go low? Why don't you go low on third and ten? Stop that. You give you give Aaron Rodgers... So they'll have to punt after that. You'll give Aaron Rodgers three minutes to get down the field and make a score. And if I'm not wrong, I believe that the previous two scoring plays that we had, uh, we did it in something like a minute and a half or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I knew this point was going to go up. And again, I'd, look at me. I'm defending all the players now. I'm going to defend him again. Okay, if he goes low, there's a good chance that Andrew Luck still got the use of his arms and can get the ball off. The other thing is he's coming in at absolute speed. And, you know, as I mean, I've played a position at linebacker. If you're blitzing a quarterback and you come at him too quick, you don't break down properly. He can just step up and make you look silly and you go flying by. So I think there's a little bit of that. Maybe as he as he comes in, he's, he's coming at him with great speed. Andrew Luck moves up. He's probably also thinking if I go high, I can get control of his arm. And if I've got control of his arms and I've got him around the top, then he can't throw the ball um, or he might force the fumble or whatever. Again, it's a split-second decision. And you're right, he should have made that play because he was there. But let's remember that for a lot of that game, without him at all, we're probably not even in that position for that to even matter. Yeah, and I know it's unfair, but here's my point, right? Well, first <laughs> off, right, I've got a few we, points. We're going to fall out by the end of this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. You're just going to be there defending the team. I think you're on the Packers payroll, right? But look, I think uh, this has happened to me. This, hap- this happens to me a lot, right? So I play five-a-side soccer. And I, you know, I'm putting in some screamers, top net, top bins, right? And no I'm, one's ever seen that. Right, yeah. Well, the footage will be out. Just wait for it. Um, so they put it in top bins or something, right? You, you do a good play in the field. And one of the boys decides, that's worth a high five. If anything, I'll tell you what, I'll give him one. So whips out the hand to give a high five. The most spectacular miss of a high five, the embarrassing thing that ever happens, is that you make that air swipe and you don't get it because you're full of adrenaline or whatever, right? So that's someone who, there's nothing on the line. I'm walking back. My buddy throws up the hand. I have to give him a high five. We both miss. Looks ridiculous. Now, if you're going 100 miles an hour and you're looking to make a play on someone's hand that's raised with the ball in it and you think that, oh, if I get up there, I might stop his hands or envelop his hands or knock the ball out or whatever. That play is pretty rare. It's like the Mason Crosby chase down a Cordell Patterson that time and he slapped the ball out. That's that's one of Mason Crosby's favourite plays for a reason because A, he chased down one of the fastest kick returners in the league and B, he was able to see the pigskin and C, he was able to slap it out which is ridiculous because the, the hole that these lads have on it 
is something else. So the likelihood of him actually making a play on an upraised hand at full speed, like you said, um, is incredibly difficult. I think fundamentals 101 is that you put him on the ground and then nobody can blame you for not getting the sack. They can't say, oh, you know, you should have got him by the hands and then you would have. No, that wouldn't have even been in the narrative. If he put him on his ass, but our, uh, Andrew Luck still got the play away as he was doing it, it becomes an Aaron Rodgers style narrative doesn't it where Aaron Rodgers is getting put on the ground halfway going to the ground he makes the throw which is ridiculous like against the Cardinals where he makes those throws and next thing Jeff Janis comes down with the ball and everyone says there's only one player in the NFL that can make those plays and that's Aaron Rodgers now does Luck fall into that category I'm not sure but I'll end on this and I know this might sound like being harsh on ha Clinton Dix but like I said I premised at the start I'm very fond of Clinton Dix. What he did in the game was incredible. In fact, the stat of the day about him is is that the last player to get two interceptions and a sack at his position is Charles Woodson back in 2009. So he's wearing the same number. He's doing the same stuff. The guy is a superman. But he made a similar little similar little bit as well, if you've noticed. Yeah. It looks similar (laughs) enough, doesn't it, right? But um, it must be the beard, is what you're saying. So what I'm saying is, is that I have a lot of respect for him and he played a colossal game and he had one of the best graded scores on Pro Football Focus but what I'm saying is is if you're driving a car and you're rounding corners right you're operating on black ice with ridiculous proficiency and um, you're able to parallel park where there's only like a penny that you have to park on you do all of that but on your way home and bringing that car home you smash it into a lamppost no one's going to go do you know what like let's forget about the accident and let's look at all the stuff he did before that it was incredible it all comes down to that final play is what i'm saying so That's, if nah. how is that i know i mean if, it, if it's a car crash at the end that ends up effectively costing you the game when you have to make that defensive stop it's within your power to make it and you don't make it that's similar to that car crash at the end. It doesn't matter. You do all that stuff before and you're amazing. And he is amazing is what I'm saying. But when it comes down to the play, you have to make all the plays. Right. So what you're saying is if I go out and I have 10 pints and I drink them perfectly fine, but on my 11th pint, I'm sick all over the pub. I'm only remembered for the one I was sick on and not the 10 that I drank successfully. No, I'm not saying this isn't something like that you do something great and then the last thing you do is what you remember <laughs> for. What I'm saying is, is that if it's your job to get the family home in the car safely, you do loads of stuff before that that no one else can do. But it all ultimately ends up with you wrapping the car around the pole. You have to be consistent and play till the end. And when it comes to a big play and you have somebody, he was... The thing is, and I know people are going to say, oh, he was going really fast. It was a blitz. He didn't have a whole lot of time. That was incredible speed he was going at. Yeah, that's because it's a blitz. That's what it's designed to do. He's supposed to get to the quarterback. And when he doesn't, doesn't make a play, people make excuses. I'm just saying, incredible player. However, has to make the play. Didn't make the play and it cost us big time. All right, I'm going to give you half a point. Because I agree with half of what you're saying. But I think the bigger problem here is not that missed play. Is, 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 and again, if you look at that last drive, there's a couple of times we get onto third down and can't get off the field. And for me, that was a worrying trend throughout the game. Yeah, We were getting down, sometimes it was still second and 10. But it seemed that on third down, we're going, oh yeah, no, that yellow line just popped by, have another go. You know, it it was strange for me the way in which the, the number of times in the game we were on second and six, seven, eight, nine, ten, mm. sometimes more with the penalties. I mean, there was one where they were way back with penalties and we still on third down, they still managed to get the first down. That's more worrying me. And, and absolutely, I know it's going to be highlighted because we were that close. We were in, you know, we had a hand on it. 
you know, and, and that could have been the chance. And I absolutely believe, like you said, Aaron Rodgers was in the zone at that point. We looked far, far better as a team on offense when we were going no huddle and hurry up. And I think that would have been absolutely the conditions and time of the game where he would have gone down the field and scored. I'm almost no doubt about that. Yeah. So I know it's going to be highlighted that Haha was the guy that had his hand on there and essentially missed the sack when we needed it most. But for me, and I think that was on third down as well, um, and then they completed to the tight end, if I remember. Yeah, but they went to Jack Doyle, was, 20 yards. Yeah, you're Irish, mate. <laughs> Jackie Doyle, good old man from County but, Waterford. Yeah, so, but I think that for me is the bigger worry. So I know he's going to be the highlight. He's going to be the poster boy for not getting off the field on third downs, but it's actually the not getting off the field on third downs for me that was the bigger issue through the game. Yeah, look, I agree with that. And I'm not, look, I'm not blaming Haha Clinton Mix for why we lost this game. If you're ever in a position where if you miss one play, your game's done, that's not a singular player issue. That's a team issue. And I completely understand that. But what I'm saying is that I don't think he gets off the hook. The same way as we called out Aaron Rodgers when he makes these lofty passes in you know not pressured and stuff you know like no one gets off the hook we, we're we're down to analyze the game and that's what we're doing and haha clinton Dix had had a historic game andrew luck in his career has never had two first quarter interceptions and that's what haha clinton Dix came away with one of them sure. in an area of the field that he wasn't even supposed to be in he wasn't covering but he made the play came over and made the play because uh, andrew luck was under pressure look i know the stats and i'm not talking muck but I am saying that if you have an opportunity to make a play, you make the play because that's what makes a great team, right? It's everybody firing yeah. on all cylinders. Everybody playing to their potential are very close to it. And what we seem to be finding is, is that with all of these injuries and with the people that are in there to step up, because here's the problem, Ryan, right? Is that we have players that have came in that are rookies or are inexperienced or don't know, you know, what to do in certain situations, crack on the pressure, all this type of stuff. They get exploited by a quarterback like... Andrew Luck. Haha Clinton Dix isn't one of them. He's one of the best players in his position in the NFL as a tandem. Um, him and Burnett, when they're playing um, last season, were eighth in the NFL in their position. So he's not one of the players that should be making these mistakes, but he did. No, I absolutely agree with that. But um, but when we get those turnovers, we must go down the field and get points. Now, I think on one of them, we went down and we got a field goal. And on the other, was it on the other that we missed the field goal? Yeah, I thought we got one touchdown and one missed field goal. I'm sorry, was it a touchdown and a field missed field goal? Yeah. So, okay, so if we got seven points there, we still haven't really got what we should have got. Now, turnovers are great for momentum, and they obviously stop the other team scoring. But the way you really put the dagger to him is by going down and scoring something on those drives afterwards. I feel that we just missed there. But... One thing I did want to ask you about, just just slightly to change the subject, and it was something you brought up in our preview podcast. Um, and obviously, we spoke at great length about their O line, yeah, and and how weak it was mm. coming into the game. But whether it was our inability to pass rush effectively on our defensive line and and, and the linebackers, or whether their O line just from somewhere just just improved, but they seemed to do brilliantly at run blocking to allow Frank Gore to, to get two touchdowns. He only had two touchdowns coming into that game yeah, and then scored two against us. But in pass protection as well, and yes, we did get some pressures on Andrew Luck. I'm not saying the pass rush was, was completely nullified, mm. but it didn't look like the O-line that it's been in previous weeks. 
No, they're the worst O-line in the NFL. It's no secret. They, they've allowed 31, up to this game, they've allowed 31 sacks, which is the most in the NFL, by, I think, six sacks. They're awful, right? Three of them are rookies. One of them's a seventh-round pick, as far as I remember, and the other one is kind of the linchpin of the offensive line. So we were up against an O-line. You see, this, this annoys me, right, because Clay Matthews went on a uh, uh, podcast with Jason Wilde, or Will Day, I think he calls himself. It's Wild over here. <laughs> right? Pronounce your name right, Paul. So um, he went on the, the Jason Wilday and Tauscher podcast. And they asked him, are you ready to play? And he says, I'm good to go. He was good to go. Now, like you said, I mean, we did get some good pass rush um, with Mike Daniels. As if, as if that's any surprise, right? And our run stuffing was good, allegedly, uh, with Jake Ryan according to Pro Football Focus. Now, I saw a different game. I saw Jake Ryan getting exploited time and time again against the pass, but apparently he was good against the run, um, and, of course, Blake Martinez was good as well. But against an O-line, that is shocking. We should have been doing far better. We should have won that battle in the trenches, forced Andrew Luck to be running for his life, and to make the offensive mistakes where he was going to throw turnovers. Now, here's mm-hmm. a ridiculous stat for you, right? Is that in games where we... Uh, get 50 yards or more on offense uh, than the opposing team and win the turnover differential. So they had one, we had two. We have won 56 of those games and we've only lost one other game and that was last year um, on to the Lions. That's the only other time that we've yeah. lost games where we've been down at home. So um, for all those people calling for uh, Mike McCarthy's head, I understand it in the sense that um, it's like when you see these stats coming out about David Moyes or no, I'm not saying Mike McCarthy's not like these people uh, stats coming out about David Moyes or Jose Mourinho or um, Louis Van Hal, where oh they haven't lost at Old Trafford to Sunderland in 77 million years you know when stats come out like that it does it's sensationalist a bit and there's probably another 50 awesome stats it's the first time in Packers history that you know he's wore yellow underpants you know there's always, there's always some type of stat that says it's brilliant and some type of stats that says it's bad but Ryan is that not telling that you know, we're winning the battle on the field here. And when you look at it, you're like, well, how are we losing this? It's because we've won 56 games like this and only lost one other one. And now we have lost two. There is dysfunction there. And there is a reason why Packer fans are starting to get a bit antsy at 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, and you certainly can understand why they're getting, yeah, they're getting pissed off, basically. It's the same feelings that we were feeling watching the game. You know, we're not different to you guys listening. Um, we obviously do a running account and we want to stay positive and we you know we want to be the packer backers that that we that we are but you know we we are all frustrated by it and obviously we're going to do a bit of a social media roundup later aren't we Steve we're going to go through some of the comments that are flying out in a minute and we're going to discuss those but I know a lot of just 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 one of the things we saw a lot of yesterday people talking about energy Mm. um, and was the team the team certainly looking deflated I mean, obviously they'll look deflated after they come out in 13 seconds. You know, the seven nothing down. Yeah. You know, of the things that the fans are getting frustrated about. I mean, they want to hear. I don't know about you, but and you already mentioned it. I think at the start here is this. And I guess American sports is just generally like this when it comes to interviews with the media. Mm. Is that generally players, coaches, uh, you know, front office people, they all give you the same textbook answer. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that even when they do these, you know, the NFL like rookie, is it a symposium or something they call yeah. it? Yeah. Have I got that wrong? No, that's right. No, that's, 
Right. So you got that actually do even have uh, classes on how to address the media and how to essentially give them a textbook answer where you give nothing away. So you do always tend to get this sort of, you know, saying something without saying anything type answer. But where I'm frustrated is I want to kind of see McCarthy or somebody come out. Maybe I don't want to see him single people out and start ripping the team to bits and, and you know, saying so-and-so didn't do this and that's why that happened. But I do want to kind of see him hold himself and the team, team accountable. Um, and I took a couple of notes out of uh, some of McCarthy's press conference, which I'm sure you've watched and, and many of the people have watched today. And McCarthy states that he's disappointed in the loss. I mean, understatement, right? Um, he also says that the Colts simply made more plays than the Packers. Okay, and obviously I'm sort of like, this isn't word for word, but it's it's near enough. Um, now, the one that I thought, and this kind of goes into, again, something you've said, that generally if you hear Mike McCarthy talking, he mentions the fundamentals. Either the fundamentals were done well or the fundamentals were done poorly. Mm. Well, this time we changed that up slightly, but I still think he's talking about fundamentals. He said the attention to detail and sharpness were not there at the key moments. Yeah, fundamentals. <laughs> so that sounds like fundamentals, right? Um and then he said, and this is where this bit ties in with what some of the fans were saying on social media, is that he talked a lot about energy in the locker room. I don't think he means the energy in the locker room. I think he means behind closed doors in the locker room, we spoke about the energy in the team. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. What did you think on on the energy of the players? Do you think it's there? I mean, certainly I thought we looked better when there was energy in terms of the game management and the play calling when we were going no huddle and when we were going on hurry up offense, I thought the energy looked great, but then obviously it's a quicker, yeah, quicker part of the game. So I don't know. What do you think there's anything in that? Do you think the team's flat? Well, do you know what? Like I would have said, who knows, but then because Mike McCarthy mentioned that Aaron Rodgers mentioned the energy as well in his, uh, presser. So obviously the energy is an issue, but this energy thing, if the players are saying it behind closed doors, and they're saying it in pressers that the energy's bad. The energy, yeah, must be bad. A, why is the energy bad? You've got 16 games in a season. More if the postseason, if you keep your energy up. If you lose your energy and no motivation, there's nothing you can do. Now, I've read articles online, and let me know what you think about this, Ryan. That people are saying that Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know whether they're looking into it. Do you ever read a poem in English class? And they go in and say, oh, he put the comma there because his father died four years ago by choking on a cigar and that's what that means. And you're like, what, what, what are you talking about? No, you see, read... I, did, I did like woodwork and, and PE and <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Fair enough. But that, that's, that's okay. what they used to do, right, in English. They used to look into a comma and say that he did that because, you know, God came down and whatever. So, <laughs> you know, too deep. So Aaron Rodgers quoted and said that the energy on the sideline was bad and people are like, oh, well, most of the sideline is actually support staff. So is he talking about the support staff? Is he calling out Mike McCarthy? Does he have a problem? Now, let me take the crazy out of that and leave it, distill it down and make it more palatable and say that is Mike McCarthy losing the touch to motivate his players sufficiently to get them to play ball on the field? Because I said it many moons ago, the Packers are not aggressive enough. And in the media, they keep coming out saying, oh yeah, we're aggressive. You listen to Mike Daniels, he's aggressive. Sam Barrington, he was aggressive. He kept getting flagged for penalties. But are we not aggressive enough? And is Mike McCarthy not doing as well, as good as a job now to get the Packers motivated? I think, um, to be fair, when you see the guys scoring, whether it be touchdowns, field goals or whatever, they come off, they're getting, 
You know, they're getting the butt taps, they're getting the slap around the helmets, they're getting all those things, you know, the the, the fist bumps, all, all the handshake things. Are going. It's all there. What you don't see is players spilling onto the field every time something happens. I kind of, I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan when it comes to basketball, right? Now, watching a game the other day and Tim Duncan, who's obviously been there for years, I know I'm going off track here, but bear with me. Tim Duncan's been there for years. For as long as I've been watching the Spurs, Tim Duncan's been on the team. And he is like Mr. No Personality. Like something ridiculous will happen and he just, he'll just be there, same face, not, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and he, this is the first year now Tim Duncan hasn't been on that team. Yeah. And I was watching the game the other night and the bench on the corner of the court there, Jonathan Simmons comes in with this sort of unreal defensive play, right? Comes from about 30 yards back of this play, has no right to get there, and a great defensive play. And the bench will just sort of sit there like that, just looking. And it's kind of like they all picked up Tim Duncan's personality, and that is the, the personality of that team. But it's also personality of that team because the coach, um, Coach Popovich, makes it that way. That's what his team's about. It's respectful. It's it's kind of reserved. It's just focused on doing your job in the game, Right. Now, that's very much in sort of stark contrast to some of the other teams you see in the NBA, like like the Clippers, you know, somebody will come close to making a layup shot and they'll all be up off the bench holding each other back. And, you know, I think that's just, to bring that back to the pap, the, the Packers were similar to San Antonio Spurs in that way, that I think that's just the character of the team. You're not going to see that big sort of over-the-top celebrations and, cele- you know, People will be congratulated when they do well. That doesn't mean they're not passionate. It doesn't mean they don't care. It just means they're showing that in a different way or it's controlled or it's focused. Yeah, and I mean, I'll add in there as well because look, for an awful lot of time on the podcast or on Twitter, we put stuff out maybe that we don't necessarily agree with, but we put it out to see what everyone's opinion is. Look, if 90% of you want us to fire uh, Mike McCarthy, well, then we have to talk about it, don't we? You know, and that's, we're raising questions now. For my two cents, in my opinion, for what it's worth, I think that uh, if within 13 seconds you're down a touchdown in a game that arguably... Now, I know if you... I'm bad at not finishing my sentences. That arguably you thought you were going to win. Now, let me explain. So, Clay Matthews says on the ESPN podcast, I'm ready to go, ready to play. Uh, Randall Cobb says that he's ready to go. They suit him up for the game and said he's ready to play. We're going to put him in. And then Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb come out after and say that they weren't really clear what the game plan was for Cobb. And if you've got a hammy problem and you're on the bike at the sideline and you're warming up and you don't get brought on and you're left standing on the side of the pitch, the field, and you've got a bad hammy that's probably going to end up seizing up and tweaking. Are you not risking injury by putting them on late, which shows kind of desperation here? Did we not play clay matches because we thought we were going to win this without having that pass rush? You know, and that's the question I want to ask. And how would you not suck the energy out of a team that expected to win, get shell-shocked by a kick return um, touchdown, and then can't make plays to get down and score offensively at home? I'm wondering, of course, the energy is going to be sucked out of the team then at that stage. And I will argue, lastly, is that a lot of energy comes from making plays. So if Jeff Janis catches that pass, makes the run into the end zone, Lambo leaps up into the crowd, gets covered in root beer and Bud Light and Miller High Life, if it's you, Ryan, um, that gets the team kind of pumped up. It gets the momentum there. People start getting excited. But when you're fighting against the deficit the whole game, of course, the energy is not going to be there. Sure. And I think... Just to touch on the Clay Matthews one, just a personal feeling for me. I love the guy. You know, we've got similar haircuts and that's great. Um, <laughs> but 
like one of the things for me is, and I saw somebody tweet it earlier. Do you think Ray Nitschke would have sat on the bench with a sore hamstring? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I kind of, I kind of get it to be honest, because yeah, all right, modern medicine has improved, doctors improved, the way in which we evaluate injuries has massively improved, and all for the better. Yeah. But. I kind of feel he's right. I mean, some of the guys, and we've done the his, history podcast, and if you haven't listened to him, go back and listen to him. That's normally your line, isn't it? But yeah. I've stole it. Shameless so go back blog. and listen to him. I know. And uh, But go back and listen to it. Some of those players in the old days were running around days after having sort of bodged operations and, you know, playing both sides of the ball and smashed up and missing body parts and, and all sorts. And now we've got one of our star players that gets the team pumped sitting out because we've got a sore hamstring and I'm, I can't make that determination because I'm not a doctor I don't have insider knowledge so it's unfair for me to question Clay Matthews but I kind of just like the tweet that I saw that said you know would Nitschke have sat on there with a sore hamstring or would he be in the game smashing nine nine shades of you know yeah. what out of the opposition yeah but let me jump in as well I mean the, the medical staff aren't going to let you play no matter how much as a player if you look if you ask a player after concu- concussion do you want to go back on and play? He doesn't know what his name is, but he knows that he wants to play. So the reason that a team has a doctor that's meant to be independent, and it's not like back in the day when the Raiders had a doctor who was pretty much on staff to pump them full of drugs and send them back on again to play. Like even, you know, the lads who said, right, if you get one more blast to the neck, you're probably going to die in front of your family. And they said, here's cortisol, go on on there, boy, you know, and send them on. Look, the days of that are gone. And as well as that, Ryan, I think what's different uh, in today's day and age is, is that Clay Matthews goes on, re-injures the hammy. You've got the fan base saying that's irresponsible. The medical community coming out saying that's irresponsible. You're, that doctor, like accountants and solicitors, have a code of ethics. Um you know and due care especially a doctor is due care so yeah. if he sends out a player that's going to tweak the hammy again he's going to get done for it and we live in a world as well full of lawsuits the nfl are so scared that they're going to get trounced by another lawsuit they can't have a player coming back in 10 years time like matthew saying i didn't want to play you told me i had to play i went out tweak my hammy couldn't play again my salary's gone and now i work in home depot selling sinks you know i mean you don't want that to happen do you i get the feeling he's probably made enough money by now to avoid that but I get what you're saying. Now, there's a very difference between concussion, where you need somebody else to make that decision, and if you've got a sore hamstring, where largely a physio can work on you. But when it gets down to that point, it's kind of you know the player. Can you play? Can you not play? And I think that's, I think that's more on the player to decide if they can go out or not. Um, also, I'd say as well, you know, if he was to injure it and doesn't play the rest of the season, we're starting to get towards that stage of season now, where unless we start getting some wins soon, there's not much of a season left to go. I'm not saying you should ever risk a player because obviously they're people before they're players, but at some point these guys have got to start taking some responsibility, get on the field and do it. Yeah, well, I mean, let's bring it back to kind of the UK Packers uh, issue here is that we have a guy we love to death, Andy Davies. Hope he doesn't mind me talking about him. He was a pro soccer player. And he was saying, you know, kind of back in the day, he'd do his training and stuff, but, you know, he never used to do crazy leg work um, because he didn't want to get over muscly and then you start pulling and tweaking stuff. So he wouldn't be down at the gym, like, you know, lifting mad weight with his calves and stuff, you know, like the modern machines. Now, never had a hamstring injury in his life. Now, he's a pretty fly um, American football, flag football player. So he's out there, you know, throwing bombs. But I think he plays an offensive position, the receiving position anyway, whether it's tight end or wide receiver, I'm not sure. Um, so he plays that and he said he pulled his hammy heard a snap or whatever uh, went off took some time out he felt okay he went back out again snapped it instantly again 
he said ne- never before and he was a pro football player he played for some top clubs and then he sat it out again and then went back out again and he said he, it just keeps happening to him so with injuries like that if it reoccurs and you don't rehab it properly to begin with it becomes inherently weaker um, so then you start to need surgery now I'd say you know a pro football player here um, who you know I, I doubt Andy's gone off and getting sort of keyhole surgery from a doctor it's like what Louis CK the comedian says when you get to a certain age no offense Andy I'm not talking about you here but if if I go to the doctor and I say my I've got a dodgy ankle he'll just say well, well your ankle's kind of dodgy take enough painkillers uh, for as much as it doesn't hurt your kidneys and just weigh up how much your ankle hurting versus your kidneys being depleted you you want to deal with he said if he was an athlete he'd go to a doctor and they'd create an ankle from his arse you know what i mean they'd shave off a bit of his arse and put it on his ankle and create and reconstruct a new ankle out of it but we're not top athletes we're not olympics players so we don't get the type of treatment so clay matches is open to that treatment but look we've done enough kind of moaning when we don't have a phone in section if you give us look anybody out there listening if you own a radio show you're incredibly rich or a rich billionaire um, and they want to fund us getting on and doing a full radio show we'll have call-ins we can't have that so ryan you're going to do the pleasure for us aren't you you have some tweet-ins that you're going to read out some tweets we'll fire off some quick responses to them and we'll wrap it up so that we don't have to be talking the ear off people for a full hour we're at about the 45 minute mark so uh quick fire round i think with this stuff Sure, and we, yeah, what we've done is basically rounded it up. Now, I haven't included anybody's names or ats or whatever because when you're watching a game like that and you're full of frustration and, and probably a little bit of anger, you, you can fire off some stuff. However, that being said, I don't – I'm struggling. This is why I want to have the conversation with you. Some of these are a little maybe too far, but elements of them I can agree with. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, like, I'm just going to read through them, and I'll remind you, obviously, these are things that I've seen around Facebook, social media, on, like, forums underneath articles, all that sort of thing. Okay, so I'm just going to come out with this one. And this is – I could probably put this one first because it's my favorite. Trey Clay Matthews. <laughs> okay. And then, in the very next line, he says, he's only interested in doing commercials. Oh, okay. Okay, so we'll break that one down. Commercials. Might as well get the money if someone's offering you, yeah? Yeah. Right, and most of those commercials are filmed in their spare time or in the off season, so on and so on. So, but let's discuss trading Clay Matthews. Really, do we think it's really got to that point where we go in, trade him, and see what we can get? Well, let me jump in first off. I'll address the advertising thing in one fell swoop. Uh, advertising in the NFL goes all the way back to the days of yore. If you read Jerry Kramer's book, um, every chapter has him at least endorsing two or three things. These people are businessmen over anything else. And if I could get sponsored for a hair product or uh, to, you know, Lucky Charms, anything, I'll do it. Give me any type of cashola to sponsor stuff. Why not do it? Uh, every other player does it. You'd be dumb not to. So, uh, yeah, to, to jump in with the, the sort of insult about, oh, you're only interested in doing that. That's a shut your face moment. I don't like, look, we don't like telling fans how to feel. You can feel it wherever you want. But for that part, me personally, shut your face. The the other one, uh, Trey Clay matches. I can see merit in that, right? Now, I'm not saying go out and do it. But wow. from speaking to Neil Hornsby, um, of pro football focus he said if you look at clay matthew's stats he's had a pretty steady decline since 2010 that's a long decline like that that's a long goodbye uh, we've seen it with julius peppers people like to fantasize about how when he when now that he's in green bay he's an absolute cutting edge uh rusher and he d- destroys the def- uh, offenses and all that 
he doesn't right if you look at his stats and where he stands at his position it's probably in the high 40s or 50s um, and the same with Clay Matthews in, at his position I would say you'd find them up around the same uh, we like to think he's elite because we love him and I love him and you love him and we love the hair and we love the hair flick and what he's done for the Packers but there is merit in saying uh, to trade him I love this because I can't see I don't think we've ever done a podcast before where we disagree so much there's no way you clay, trade Clay Matthews right you keep him for as long as he wants to play um, and as long as it makes financial sense right and I think you mentioned him Julius Peppers is the absolute uh, like point to back that one up because when Peppers is on the field you have to respect him okay when Clay Matthews is on the field you have to respect him you have to make extra special adjustments to contain those players that opens up the field for those other players okay so I feel like for me Clay Matthews once in a generation player he'll be a Packer until he retires yeah look and I think what you've just said there contradicts itself a bit right let him play for as long as he wants to as long as it's financially viable but to a to a point you have to pay someone for production and if they're not producing I'm not saying Clay Matthews isn't producing but if they're not producing I mean you let them go look I've only known maybe well I've known a few occasions Marshall Newhouse being one of them um, but they probably weren't paying him a whole lot but if you talk about holding on to a player for too long Donald Driver and we love the guy we have his book and we remember him fondly and he has his statue in Green Bay and I went up and slapped its ass okay but if you look at how long he was held on to he was held on to for too long this Packers organization are known for letting people go when maybe they haven't even passed their sell-by date. Look at Josh Sitton. He was the fourth best in his position. He was still let go because of, you know, a disrupting mentality, allegedly, maybe, no one knows, in the locker room, you know. So they, they're well used to letting people go. Clay, look, Clay Matthews gets respect and it's because of his reputation that he's built up over the years. And that's fine. And Julius Peppers is the same. But if these um, offensive coordinators of the opponent's are looking at game tape will they see the same production i don't know i mean from pro football focus point of view um it doesn't seem to show that these are elite players anymore they're good they're really good but they're not elite and they're not going to scare the bejesus out of you and you're looking for a top 10 rusher like von miller or jj watt before he got 700 injuries i mean that's the type of player <laughs> you're looking at you know fair enough fair enough you've always been the stats guy i guess and i'll be the guy that always goes on just just how i feel <laughs> so i guess that makes sense so we went the way we did okay uh next one this is great and i want to read this out in how i imagine it was going through the guy's head when he said it okay. fire everyone <laughs> fire mccarthy capers and ted thompson is that his whole tweet yeah that just said that was simply it Okay. Fire everyone. Fire McCarthy, Capers, and Ted Thompson. Fuck the lot. The whole lot, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I don't know if he means everybody, every single coach on the team. Do the lot. Yeah. Um, look, I can understand Packers' frustrations. We've been frustrated. I said to everybody on the last podcast, I've often jumped on the fire Dom Capers bandwagon because sometimes what I feel like is look, Dick LeBeau invented an <laughs> awful, he invented the Steelers' defense of its heyday, right? Even he got sacked by people. What I'm saying is, is that even the inventor of something has limitations. Dom Capers has limitations and he's come under fire. And I think that because sometimes we reach the, reach the postseason every year. And again, we're so close to the NFC Championship game that you can say, Jesus, you know, the coaching staff are really working. He's putting the players in the positions and it's not working. I can see merits in having a clear out to some degree. But the caveat that I would put on it is, it's like this, Ryan okay 
is this going to be another little story another little story right and I'll, okay. I'll end then and let you know what you think it, isn't it amazing the way some lads say man you could do so much better right you know you're going out with a girl and you say to your and some guy comes up to you and says do you know what man he says the amount of women that your dad it's usually your dad right comes up to you and says well if I was your age son I'd be out there in every nightclub with every girl and if that gets into your head and you think hold on a second right you could leave your girlfriend and go off and there's just you walk into London or one of these big cities New York and you see these women everywhere just girls walking around and similarly with fellas if you're if there's a girl with a guy and they're like oh leave him he's a loser and she walks into New York City or Newcastle allegedly with Geordie Shore and sees all these buff guys walking around and she thinks I could have any one of these fellas right you leave your partner and you're like oh it's gonna happen now I tell you what and then you don't get anybody you die alone at home with a plastic bags full of cats and you don't find anyone the thing is it's all well and good to fantasize yeah so I was just gonna say so in summary what you're saying is the grass is always green on the other side exactly and people are so quick and we we see it over on this side of the pond well not exactly this side of the pond in Dublin but you know over in the UK where people are saying oh yeah sack um, Arsene Wenger now I can see the rationale because it's like someone compared the Packers to the to the to Arsenal they said we're happy enough to get to the postseason and then we kind of give them a pass when we get bet and that's been happening since back in the day they're kind of saying that we're happy to get there and then we don't go the full distance so we're always the bridesmaid never the bride so I appreciate the anger and when people call for Mike McCarthy's head sometimes I think that a coach no matter how good they are always has to move on because they kind of wear out their welcome their techniques don't work anymore stuff starts to stagnate and get stale um so yeah you want somebody new in like that girl who goes off to new york and sees all the buff dudes but you might not necessarily get what you want after that person leaves and you have to have a backup plan no one leaves their job with the thing of like well look at there's like billions of people on the planet there must be billions of jobs and then you don't find a job and you're on the dole you're wearing tracksuit bottoms and you're eating tesco noodles you know what i mean you need to have that backup plan and get onto something different otherwise you're talking fantasy and we need some intelligent conversation around it I think we should just say there are noodles available from all other retailers <laughs> as well. Actually, Tesco um, noodles are quite nice. I've been on them for a lot. I've got a Whopper mortgage. I'm on Tesco noodles too. You know what I mean? I'm just saying yeah. I wouldn't choose to be. Showing off on your Tesco noodles there. Right, and you, <laughs> look, this is the way I feel about it. It doesn't matter whether we think McCarthy, Capers, or TT should go because the Packers will not sack anybody. No. They will make a decision at the end of contracts. The, and I honestly believe that because the reason for that being is when you sack a guy, generally you have to, uh, I think generally like you pay them off what they were owed on their contract anyway. So they're like the players in that they have, when they sign their contract, they'll have a guaranteed amount of money and then there will be an amount of money based on incentives and that will obviously be you know, winning the division, then how far they can get in each uh, game of the playoffs and so on like that. So there will be guaranteed money. And that guaranteed money will not only be for this year, it'll be for the next year of their contract and however long their contract is. By sacking them, you still have to pay them that guaranteed money. So not only are you then paying dead money for something that's not around anymore, but you also then have to pay the money to the new guy that's in doing there. So you end up paying two guys and only one guy's doing the job. So I just think the Packers generally won't go down that route of, of paying somebody off to get them out of their contract. Yeah, I, like I don't know if, if the rationale is because they'd be paying double or whatever, you know, because that's 
when you have redundancy in a company because sometimes it's better to it's the price you pay to stop the rot you know what i mean if it, if a team's gone down but what i'll say is and like what you mentioned earlier we have the packers history podcast just go on to itunes at uk just search uk packers on the soundcloud search uk packers any podcast hosting site if you're listening to this on itunes and you hate itunes you're sitting there punching your iphone in the face you can go on to Podcast Addict or, or any type of podcast host inside and you can find us. But anyway, so we have the History Podcast. And if there's one thing that the Packers know how divisive something is, is it's coaching instability or it's having a coach that isn't doing the job. I mean, look at the amount of Packers coaches. Pretty much from Vince Lombardi all the way up to Holmgren was god-awful. And that wasn't only attributable to, to Mike Holmgren. Ron Wolf had a massive part to play in, in having that clear out. So, yeah, I mean, look at the teams as well that do chop and change their coaches every year. How many times has that instantly result in Super Bowl success? Look at the teams that win the Super Bowls. They generally have quite stable setups, whether it be a coach and and the GM. So the Patriots straight away, you know, that one jumps out at you. Um, Pittsburgh always do generally quite well, and they've got the same setup there, yeah. you know. The teams like, I'm just trying to think now, Miami that keep chopping and changing head coach. Uh, Jacksonville keep chopping 40, and changing 49ers, head coach. Yeah. You know, the 49ers, going back some years, the Raiders, until they put in, uh, they, was it was it uh, McKenzie came from Green Bay and went to the Raiders in front office? Yeah, because um, Al Davis effectively ruined that. that that's, that's an example of overstaying your welcome. Yeah, yeah. But that's like, you know what I mean? Until, but until you get that, firm base in there and something set up that's when you start to breed success by chopping and changing all the time and it's proved again if you're looking at soccer in this country alex ferguson for all those years arson wenger i don't care what the arsenal fans are saying you've had far more success than failure i'm a west ham fan so i can make that comment you know he's been there a long time david moyes when he was at everton you know these coaches that stay around for a long time are generally the ones unless they've got just open checkbook after open checkbook you know they're the ones that get the success. And so I think you have to be very careful when you're saying, you know, just fire everyone because that'll instantly fix it. Maybe not. We've had more more, more winning seasons than we've had losing seasons. And we've had far, far more success over the years that um, that McCarthy's been there. We've had, we've, and I know it's whether you, how you class success, isn't it? Is, is it just Super Bowl success and anything else is failure? If you, you know, if you're thinking that way, then unfortunately you're going to fail far many more times, and you're going to succeed. But I, th- I think generally his run's been pretty good, and I don't know. Look, let's end this thing on a positive note, and let's let's just remind people the actual situation we're in. We're Packers fans. We have a high standard. We have a right to moan. Of course, we do. You can moan about whatever you want, but let let's end it here and say that you know we had banged up wide receivers we don't have a running game we don't particularly have a tight end game which i don't know is exactly true because if you look at richard rogers stats um on that game he had a he had a pretty good game right um and then our cornerbacks we've no defensive secondary so ted thompson and mike mccarthy were able to draft a secondary that was able to hold its own to a certain degree to keep us close in games like i read out at the start of the podcast yes we're winning games by a touchdown or less apart from that bears game where we blew them out by about 16 16 points um and then the cowboys loss was pretty grisly but that's because we were there and you know they got upset that we were there or something but all the other games that we were so close to winning and this is up against the vikings who at the time were steamrolling everybody um the Jaguars were revitalized at the start of the season. They had loads of energy, if you want to talk about energy and momentum in their own stadium, in a high heat. So look, we've done an okay job. 
at staying close to games and one or two plays in each one of those one possession games could have resulted in a win and we could have a perfect record and the narrative is quite different we're calling Mike McCarthy a genius Aaron Rodgers a legend for keeping this train on the tracks when it should have derailed ages ago we're four and four we've got eight eight games left right Ryan I mean we've eight games left we're not conceivably going to win every game it's going to be a tough stretch now coming up because we've three games now three games now on uh, the road so that's going to be tough and then after that we have the Texans God knows what position they're going to be in. And also the Seahawks, who are notoriously good down the stretch. So Mm -hmm. we've got a tough task ahead of us, but we still have eight games. We have as many games left as we have played. Best case scenario, we end up with 12 wins. Worst case scenario, uh, we end up uh, missing the playoffs. Um, But one thing that scares me, and if we can... Actually, you know what? We leave that to the next podcast. I was going to talk about the Lions and people were celebrating. I was fist pumping and uh, giving the dog high fives. Uh, last night when the Lions bet the Vikings in overtime but what that does is that puts us into third place now in the NFC North which isn't a good idea but I think let's focus on the positives let's leave the podcast on a positive and then when we're doing the preview show I think we need to address the state of the NFC North and also the upcoming game against the Titans so I think that's our social media roundup so we didn't do that in any way to try and make make fun of it but what, what we wanted to do was we wanted to try and see that those themes are coming through because we're seeing it. And like I said, some of the times we, we are feeling the same way mm. or sometimes we sort of share some of what you're saying. Um, or sometimes, you know, if, you know, if we don't, if we completely don't agree, like for example, the one I never agree with is, oh, Rogers was a great quarterback before his girlfriend come along. Oh, don't uh, yeah. really start So I don't, cause I mean, we've said, I mean, we've said enough on that one before. Mm. Um, and I understand obviously the clock's ticking away now. So, uh, but, you know, so I think we'll probably do more of this as we go through the week. We'll try and round up your feelings and emotions or tweet us and tell us how you feel. And we can always discuss and talk about that. And we'll see if uh, see who you agree with, I guess. See if you think that we and Steer talk in any sense or if you think we're talking complete rubbish. But let us know. Yeah, do let us know what you feel. And look, if you want your name read out or don't want to read out on the podcast, let us know as well. We read out your opinions. Look, we're not here to ridicule people. We're not one of these Packers podcasts who snoop the internet and Twitter and whatever else, Facebook, for people to make comments that we don't like, name and shame them and then try to ruin their lives. I mean, we're, we're not into that sort of lark. Look, we understand the frustration out there. We're frustrated too. But let's end it on a positive uh, you know most of the players that we have are sitting on the bench injured the players that we do have are ending close games either with the W or with uh, uh, you know a well fought L um, take it as well those young players that are now getting on the field because of the unfortunate circumstances we find ourselves in they get an unbelievable game experience and okay it might not help us this year it might help us to get to the playoffs because they might have learned enough by then but certainly as it goes into next year there's going to be a lot of players that got more minutes this year than they probably normally would have done Exactly, and it's shown us what we actually have because the biggest uh, misnomer that I've ever heard is when people look at their third string running back and say, oh, that guy's a beast, he had a great day at training camp. Yeah, that does not translate onto the field until you see him on the field. So that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing the third and fourth string lads coming in. But anyway, look from myself at NFL on Twitter, at UK Packers on Twitter, at Ryan Peacock NFL on Twitter. It's goodbye for now. Thanks for listening.